replied mysteriously. One who can see who is coming down the path to our village. Well, you look like a little monkey. Since you're up there, grab a coconut for Mother, but come down before you hurt yourself. Kwasi scrambled down and tossed the coconut at his sister. You should thank me, Amari, for my treetop adventure. He grinned mischievously. Why? she asked. I saw Besa walking through the forest, heading this way. I have seen how you tremble like a dove when he is near. You are the one who will be trembling if you do not get that coconut to mother right away. And take her a few papayas and a pineapple as well. It will please her, and we shall have a delicious treat tonight. Amari could still smell the sweetness of the pineapple her mother had cut from its rough skin and sliced for the breakfast meal that morning. Kwasi snatched back the coconut and ran off then, laughing and making kissing noises as he chanted, Besa, my love! Besa, my love! Besa, my love! Amari pretended to chase him, but as soon as he was out of sight... She reached down into the small stream that flowed near Kwasi's tree and splashed water on her face. Her village, Ziavi, lay just beyond the red dirt path down which Kwasi had just disappeared. She headed there, walking leisurely, with just the slightest awareness of a certain new roundness to her hips and smoothness to her gait as she waited for Besa to catch up with her. Amari loved the rusty brown dirt of Ziavi. The path, hard-packed from thousands of bare feet that had trod on it for decades, was flanked on both sides by fat, fruit-laden mango trees, the sweet smell of which always seemed to welcome her home. Ahead, she could see the thatched roofs of the homes of her people, smoky cooking fires, and a chicken or two scratching in the dirt. She chuckled as she watched Tirza, a young woman about her own age, chasing one of her family's goats once again. That goat hated to be milked and always found a way to run off right at milking time. Tirza's mother had threatened several times to make stew of the hard-headed animal. Tirza waved at Amari, then dove after the goat, who had galloped into the undergrowth. Several of the old women, sitting in front of their huts, soaking up sunshine, cackled with amusement. To the left, and apart from the other shelters in the village, stood the home of the chief elder. It was larger than most, made of sturdy wood and bamboo, with thick thatch made from palm leaves making up the roof. The chief elder's two wives chattered cheerfully together as they pounded cassava fufu for his evening meal. Amari called out to them as she passed and bowed with respect. She knew that she and her mother would soon be preparing the fufu for their own meal. She looked forward to the task. They would take turns pounding the vegetable into a wooden bowl with a stick almost as tall as Amari. Most of the time they got into such a good rhythm that her mother started tapping her feet and doing little dance steps as they worked. That always made Amari laugh. Although Amari knew Besa was approaching, she pretended not to see him until he touched her shoulder. She turned quickly and, acting surprised, called out his name. Besa! 
Just seeing his face made her grin. He was much taller than she was, and she had to stand on tiptoe to look into his face. He had an odd little birthmark on his cheek, right at the place where his face dimpled into a smile. She thought it looked a little like a pineapple, but it disappeared as he smiled widely at the sight of her. He took her small brown hands into his large ones, and she felt as delicate as one of the little birds that Kwasi liked to catch and release. My lovely Amari, he greeted her. How goes your day? His deep voice made her tremble. Better, now that you are here, she replied. Amari and Besa had been formally betrothed to each other last year. They would be allowed to marry in another year. For now, they simply enjoyed the mystery and pleasure of stolen moments such as this. I cannot stay and talk with you right now, Besa told her. I have seen strangers in the forest, and I must tell the Council of Elders right away. Amari looked intently at his face and realized he was worried. What tribe are they from? she asked with concern. I do not think the Creator made a tribe such as these creatures. They have skin the color of goat's milk. Besa frowned and ran to find the chief. As she watched Besa run off, an uncomfortable feeling filled Amari. The sunny pleasantness of the afternoon had suddenly turned dark. She hurried home to tell her family what she had learned. Her mother and Aesi, a recently married friend, sat on the ground, spinning cotton threads for yarn. Their fingers flew as they chatted together, the pale fibers stretching and uncurling into threads for what would become kente cloth. Amari loved her tribe's design of animal figures and bold shapes. Tomorrow the women would dye the yarn, and when it was ready, her father, a master weaver, would create the strips of treasured fabric on his loom. Amari never tired of watching the magical rhythm of movement and color. Amari's mother looked up at her daughter warmly. You should be helping us make this yarn, my daughter. Her mother chided gently. I'm sorry, mother. It's just that I'd so much rather weave like father. Spinning makes my fingertips hurt. Amari had often imagined new patterns for the cloth and longed to join the men at the long looms, but girls were forbidden to do so. Her mother looked aghast. Be content with woman's work, child. It is enough. I will help you with the dyes tomorrow, Amari promised, half-heartedly. She avoided her mother's look of mild disapproval. Besides... I was helping Kwasi gather fruit, Amari said, changing the subject. Kwasi, sitting in the dirt trying to catch a grasshopper, looked up and said with a smirk, I think she was more interested in making love-dove faces with Besa than making yarn with you. When Amari reached out to grab him, he darted out of her reach, giggling. Your sister even though she avoids the work, is a skilled spinner and will be a skilled wife. She needs practice in learning both, my son, their mother said with a smile. Now disappear into the dust for a moment. Kwasi ran off then, 
laughing as he chased the grasshopper, his bare feet barely skimming the dusty ground. Amari knew her mother could tell by just the tilt of her smile or a fraction of a frown how she was feeling. And how goes it with young Bessa? her mother asked quietly. Bessa said that a band of unusual-looking strangers are coming this way, mother, Amari informed her. He seemed uneasy and went to tell the village elders. We must welcome our guests, then, Amari. We would never judge people simply by how they looked. That would be uncivilized, her mother told her. Let us prepare for a celebration. Essie picked up her basket of cotton and, with a quick wave, headed home to make her own preparations. Amari knew her mother was right and began to help her make plans for the arrival of the guests. They pounded fufu, made garden egg stew from eggplant and dried fish, and gathered more bananas, mangoes, and papayas. Will we have a dance in celebration for the guests, mother? she asked hopefully. And father storytelling? Your father and the rest of the elders will decide, but I'm sure the visit of such strangers will be cause for much festivity. Amari smiled with anticipation for her mother was known as one of the most talented dancers in the Eve tribe. Her mother continued, Your father loves to have stories to tell and new stories to gather. This night will provide both. Amari and her mother scurried around their small dwelling, rolling up the sleeping mats and sweeping the dirt floor with a broom made of branches. Throughout the village, the pungent smells of goat stew and peanut soup, along with waves of papaya and honeysuckle that wafted through the air, made Amari feel...